Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. We have a little bit of hockey to go over in the beginning here, and then playoff basketball, Game 7, Clippers, Nuggets, huge disappointing loss by the Clippers, spoiler alerts, of course, um, and we're going to dive into the Clippers season, what went, what went wrong, what went right, uh, and then, of course, a lot to talk about with the Nuggets. Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals, Heat beat the Celtics, um, Jimmy Butler was clutch, Bam Adebayo was clutch. Little bit of baseball talk. Had a no-hitter on Sunday from Chicago. Alec Mills, really cool story from him. Baseball bubble. Mets finally sell the team. And then we will get through all that and finally get to discuss some week one NFL football. First, the Islanders. They're alive. They're still kicking. Um, they went down after losing a couple games, 3-1. Uh, to one. So they were on the brink of elimination last night, and it took two overtimes to get the win. Uh, Eberle scored for the Islanders. Lightning turned it over near their zone. Islanders had the break, two-on-one break. Uh, quick touch pass, goal over the left shoulder of the Lightning's goalie. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but... Islanders still alive, so Islanders fans, you can take a deep breath. And I was saying to my friends last night uh, in like one of our group chats, because uh, uh, a few of them, a handful of them, about as many of them are are really big fans of hockey as many as there are of baseball. So I would say about out of like the ten of us that are consistently talking about sports. The same amount, like, there's, like, four that really like baseball and then four that really like hockey. There is overlap there, but not a huge hockey presence in the group chat. Mostly football and basketball. Um, But I was saying to the people who were watching the game, like, I'm so glad. Like, I want to get into hockey, but right now I'm just so glad that I don't have, like, any big-time emotional investment in any of these teams because playoff hockey is brutal as a fan. I mean, there are double overtime, triple overtime games just being tossed out like candy in these playoffs. And I know that's kind of typical too because I've watched playoff hockey before and it happens a lot and it's just so stressful. Like, I couldn't even imagine in playoff baseball where like every pitch counts in playoff baseball, right? If baseball constantly went into extra innings in playoff baseball, I would pull my hair out. Every like every game there's like a high opportunity to go into overtime. It's insane. I mean, just the emotional drainage that it could take as a fan is crazy. Um, especially when you're down 3-1, you're trying to keep your season alive and your team's going into double overtime. On top of that, at the end of regulation, uh, Bovillier, Anthony Bovillier, had a high stick towards, it was like less than, uh, it was a, about a minute and a half maybe, uh, two minutes, I think it was more like a minute and a half, maybe a minute 40 seconds, left in the third period, and he gets a high sticking call. Gets four minutes in the box, so it's a tie game, end of regulation, the Lightning have a penalty, uh, have their power play unit on and you're fighting for your life the period ends 
and you're going to overtime, but now you got to start overtime with about two and a half minutes of the lightning on a power play. Islanders somehow kill that, and no one sc- end up scoring in the first overtime, goes into second, and obviously Everly gets that goal, but it- it's so stressful. Like, I, I don't know, man. That, that would... Like, I- again, I'm going to try and get into hockey. It's kind of even right now um, with as far as... Like, the futures of the teams, obviously the Islanders are better right now. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, But the Rangers have a lot of young talent, and uh, they were even in the playoffs this year. They might have made it even even without the new bubble standards, but it's just a lot of... Playoff hockey's stressful, man. It's It's just downright so stressful. And with everything else going on, I'm kind of glad that I'm not over here pulling my hair out watching the Islanders avoid elimination in a double overtime game. NBA playoffs, a crazy ending to game one of the Heat and Celtics, goes into overtime. Jimmy Butler was absolutely clutched down the stretch offensively, hit a big three for the Heat, hit an absolutely ridiculous end one um, on Jason Tatum. Uh, in overtime, and then Bam Adebayo, of course, having the, I'll say this, Bam Adebayo's block was one of the cleanest blocks, I think probably the cleanest block I've ever seen. Now, that doesn't mean it's the best. It's certainly an excellent play. Uh, I'm sure when we look back on it, Maybe after the series is over, who knows, in a week, a month, if the series is over, whatever. We'll look back on it and and really appreciate just how good of a block that was. Um, but I, for my money, and I think anyone who fluctuates within f- give or take five years of my age, the greatest defensive play I think that we've ever seen, hands down, I don't think it's even close, honestly, is that given the circumstances, the circumstances being that it's what team you're playing, who the who the players involved are, uh, like the score of the game, the the magnitude of the game, like is it a regular season game, playoff game, first round, second round, conference finals, NBA finals, like what are the entirety of the circumstances? The greatest defensive play that we've ever seen, that have I that I've ever seen is LeBron's chase down block. Hands down. I mean, there's nothing that I think can really unless the circumstances are exactly the same, which they won't be, but assuming it's like a game seven of the NBA finals and a team has a player that makes a chase down block like that, it's still not the same. But it'll be up there. It'll be in contention. But the 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 odds of that replicating themselves are very, 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 very slim. However, Bam Adebayo's block on Jason Tatum is probably the cleanest block I've ever seen. Just from the point of Jason Tatum's isoing at the top of the of the arc, right? He has Derrick Jones Jr. on him, and then he gets to switch with Jimmy Butler. He gets a step on Jimmy. Beats him to the hoop, 
and he's about to slam this thing. I mean, it, it's not, I feel like nine times out of 10, you're like, all right, no one's going to step to Tatum. Like that's a dunk. Easy bucket, high percentage shot for Jason Tatum. He got past Jimmy Butler, had the dunk, and Bam Adebayo rotates over, takes about a step over to rotate, and jumps essentially from a standstill from underneath the basket and beats Tatum, meets Tatum at the rack right in front. I mean, this is like happening inches away from the t- uh, from the rim, right? This isn't like he, he stepped out to meet him and then made like this block. This was inches from the rim and he gets all ball and Tatum just gets sent backwards. There's, there's nothing you can do about it. He sunned him. Like, that's the best way to describe it. It was, I would say something of that that's on, like, on par with what kind of block that was that I can think of, again, is LeBron in the finals against the Spurs. He jumps up in the restricted area from a, from a standstill. He jumps up and blocks Tiago Splitter. It was a block kind of like that, except you have, in that scenario, it's like the best player in the world versus Tiago Splitter trying to dunk a basketball, like a little less emphatic. Here, you have the best player on the Celtics going up, about to full force try and slam this basketball into the hoop, and Bam Adebayo goes up, and the strength to have with your left hand hit all ball. Palm that basketball and force Jason Tatum, who had all the momentum, backwards and block that shot as clean as it was. I mean, there was no, their bodies did not touch. Bam moved over, rotated, jumped, hit the ball, and like, that was it. They they did not touch at all. There was no contact with their bodies after the fact that they could have maybe gotten a foul call on. Nothing. Jason Tatum just fell to the ground. So it was, again, one of the cleanest blocks, if not the cleanest block I've ever seen. It was very, very, very impressive, and it saved the game for the Heat, or it it sealed the game for the Heat, I should say, because they were up when Bam made that block. Um, Not to mention, Bam Adebayo, he was getting fouled left and right, down the stretch of that game in regulation and also uh, in overtime, he made a lot of free throws. He was 8 of 11 from the line, uh, by far the most. He doubled up uh, the second most player, or almost doubled up. Jimmy Butler shot the second most free throws. He was 4 of 6 from the line. But Bam goes 5 of 12 in the field, 8 of 11 from the line. Um, He had 9 assists, 18 points. That huge block to save them. So Jimmy Butler on the offensive end got it done. He made a huge three. And then he made that, again, a ridiculous end one on Jason Tatum. Tatum was draped all over him, fouled him, and Jimmy Butler somehow got that shot up and it went in. Uh, He converts the free throw. Just big time, big time plays from the Heat at the end of regulation and and in overtime. not to be forgotten, Derek Jones Jr. Uh, went in and guarded Jason Tatum 
for the pretty much the for the final shot of regulation to win for the Celtics, and he did a great job. Closed out, great, didn't foul. Uh, his length certainly matched Tatum's, so that was a good matchup in that regard. Um, so definitely don't forget about that. That was a key play there uh, to send it into overtime, and. Yeah, I mean, that was, it's going to be a great series. Like, that is what, that's the kind of series I expect um, throughout the entire thing. A closely contested game all the way down to the end. Uh, The Celtics were leading for a majority of the game. Uh, And I'll tell you one other thing with the Celtics. Marcus Smart has emerged as... A very, very, very reliable three-point shooter for the Celtics in the bubble. Um, He's always been great defensively. He's always been their defensive heart and soul of that team. Uh, He's always been, obviously, very scrappy, uh, very tough mentally and physically. And now, in this bubble, he is shooting... He's honestly their best three-point shooter. He was 6-13 from three last night. Uh, Tatum was shot the second most. He was 4 of 12. Kemba was just 1 of 9. Kemba, so Marcus Smart, a positive. Jalen Brown, I'd like to see step up more. And he he's definitely got to be more efficient with his shots. Jason Tatum, only 10 of 24 from the field last night. But, I mean, he's their guy. He had 14 rebounds, which is by far the most on the entire team. Um... <laughs> It's, I mean, yeah, that's not even close. He had 14 rebounds. Daniel Theis had four. Kemba had three. Mark Smart had three. Brown had five. Uh, like, no, no one's really even... No one's even above... No one had more than five rebounds. Jalen Brown had the second most with five rebounds. So Tatum has 14. Like, he is the guy for the Celtics, right? He had 30 points also. He was 6-6 six six from the line. Tatum's their guy. Um, you're going to go as far as he takes you. I think everyone knows that, but you need help. Marcus Smart can't be your second most reliable shooter. He can't. I mean, Jalen Brown was three of four from deep, six of fourteen from the field. Like he didn't put up bad stats. He was a minus six in the box score. But I mean, the only people who were positive in the in the box score were uh, Tatum and Thice. Tatum was a plus three, and and Thies or Thice, whatever, was a plus twelve. Everyone else was negative. Um, so it, it's tough. You need specifically Kemba Walker. So Kemba, I love Kemba. I really do. Um, but he needs to. He needs to be better. He just straight up. He needs to be better if the Celtics want to win this game. Want to win this series because. Yes, I know what I just said. They're, you're going to go as far as Tatum takes you. But Tatum, as good as he is, he still doesn't have that. I still don't know if he's skilled enough in every area of the game to completely take over. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't. He's very, very good. He really is. But I just don't think he's there yet. I think he still needs... Like, yes, he is your best player. 
um, and he is the motor that that makes you go. But you you need he needs help still. Right, people. The broadcast loves mentioning when he's on when he's doing really well that the kid is only twenty two years old. They love mentioning that. But he, uh, it's also a negative. He's still only twenty two years old. He made a huge leap this year, huge. Right, he was great as a rookie, kind of more or less stayed the same, maybe regressed a little bit in his second year. This is his third year in the league. He made a huge leap from year two to three. There was no leap between one to two. Huge leap between two to three. Love to see it. But he, I, I still just don't think he has like the capability to, to win a playoffs, to will his team in the playoffs to a victory. Right? Jimmy Butler has that. And we saw that. Jimmy Butler has that. Jason Tatum, he shows flashes for sure. For sure shows flashes. But there are just some instances like I, I love that he at the end of regulation and in overtime, he took it upon himself to to get the game winning bucket. Missed the three in regulation and then Bam out I mean he he beats his man. He beat Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo just made an absolutely phenomenal defensive play. So there's really nothing you can do about that if you're, you know, a Celtics fan or even, you know, Brad Stevens or Tatum, but you can't you just got to throw your hands up and be like, "Well, like there there's literally nothing you can change about that." You had Tatum up top isoing you got the switch on Butler, which was odd because he had Derrick Jones, and then they end up getting a switch, but Tatum beats him. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's because Derrick Jones was guarding him at the end of regulation, and he has a lot more length than Jimmy Butler. Butler is a couple inches smaller than Tatum, so Tatum beats him off the dribble with his length. And, I mean, he has, he gets a high percentage shot. He gets a, a dunk attempt at the at the rim, and Bam makes a ridiculous play. Nothing you can do. The only thing I'd say if you're the Celtics, you got to s- slow the game down more cuz the quick shots if you're t- if you're not if you're taking quick shots and you're not rotating the ball enough, the Heat are going to run out on the break. I mean, as soon as the shot is missed, the Heat, everyone on the Heat that didn't get the rebound is is out. They're they're running. They love to run. I want to see more out of Kemba and I want to see more out of Jalen Brown. And that's not that's not necessarily saying that Jalen Brown's playing poorly, I would just like to see him have the ball more. I think Jalen Brown is very underrated. I don't think he gets enough respect because he's with Tatum. Um, and Kemba's got to step it up. I mean, Kemba cannot continue to shoot 6-19 from the field and 1-9 of nine from 3. He can't. You can't go... I, I, I would not like to be down 2-0 to this Heat team. Cause they they put your they put their their foot on your throat, man. They do not let up at all. So Celtics got to figure it out. They play tomorrow on Thursday at seven o'clock ESPN. Game seven, Nuggets Clippers. Now before we get to game seven, I just gotta say game six. Tough, tough 
tough scheduling. I mean, you scheduled game six of the Western Conference semifinals at one o'clock on NFL opening Sunday, week one. You're you're getting blown out of the water. Like literally, I don't I don't know a single person that even switched on during a commercial break to the Clippers and Nuggets. I'm not even sure how many people knew it was on. I got I got the alert at four o'clock and I was like, oh, Celtics and Clippers play. That's interesting. I had no idea that they were even playing. Now maybe that's my fault because I wasn't paying attention, but a lot of my pe- a lot of my friends didn't know. And I'm sure a lot of other people didn't know either. Now I was trying to think of the reason. I'm like, why not schedule that for like 7 o'clock? You go up against the Sunday night game. Maybe then you have a chance with ratings, right? At 4 o'clock, apparently, it was the U.S. Open, I think, was on at 4. And then they didn't want to schedule it at 7. My friend told me that this was maybe some reasoning. I kind of believe him, too. Um, They didn't want to schedule it at 7 because the Rams were playing Sunday night football against Dallas. So they didn't want to take away viewership from the LA fan or make the LA fans choose between the Rams and the Clippers. Probably because the Clippers are much more popular and it would take away viewership from Sunday night football, even though, you know, they don't LA is only like a small percentage of everyone that's gonna be watching Sunday night football. But regardless, um they schedule it for one o'clock. Nuggets win that game, force a game seven. And last night, the Nuggets won again. So for the second time in the playoffs, the Nuggets come back to win three games to one to win the game seven. They did it against the Jazz in the first round. They do it against the Clippers here in the second round. A lot of credit to the Jazz. Let's start. Let's start uh, to the Nuggets. Excuse me. So let's start with the Nuggets. A lot of credit to the Nuggets. They were phenomenal. Um, they never gave up. They never looked down on themselves they never counted themselves out um Nikola Jokic is I mean he is the real deal and if you were sleeping on him before your eyes better be open now because he is a real deal threat uh Jamal Murray was I mean the entire playoffs Jamal Murray has been an absolute flamethrower He's been getting buckets in the bubble. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, And the Nuggets just as a whole have been playing incredibly well. Mike Malone, like, clap it up for you, dude. Like, you have done a phenomenal job with this team. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say. They're going to be a a much different matchup than I'm sure the Lakers were anticipating. It's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, the the Nuggets have a lot of good players. They got a lot of a lot of guys who could shoot. They play good defense as a team. Granted, individually, uh, they might not be the best defenders. You know, you got a couple guys who are who are defensive gurus of sorts. But um, overall, it's going to be a, an interesting matchup, and we'll get to that in a minute. But let's talk about the Clippers first before we get into Lakers-Nuggets matchups and all that. 
The Clippers are obviously one of the biggest disappointments, if probably the biggest disappointment of the NBA season. A lot of people picked them to be uh, title contenders, title winners, and edge out the Lakers in the conference finals. That was a matchup that a lot of people were expecting, and it looked like we were going to get. Nuggets said no, 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 and now we have Lakers-Nuggets instead. Um... But the Clippers, I mean, overall for them, you just you just gotta you gotta look at two people. Um, Kawhi Leonard, six of twenty-two, two of seven. Um, he shot no free throws, and Paul George four of sixteen from the field, two of eleven from three, and he shot one free throw. He was 0-1. So I mean, those are your guys, right? This is. Kawhi Leonard, like, this is the guy you went out and got. Paul George, this is the guy you traded pretty much your entire future for to go in and try and win now with Kawhi Leonard and with the squad you have now. Um, it's 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 a it's a tough look, man. It, it really is. I mean, Jamal Murray dropped in 40 points on 15 to 26 shooting. It, it's, I mean, I don't know, man. Leonard was a minus 21 uh, Paul George was a minus 20. Montrez Harrell, the sixth man of the year, in the past two games, he's a combined minus 27 on the court. I, I mean, there's just... The Clippers, in every closeout game to win the series, they had a lead. Double-digit lead. And... I think it was whatever the channel it was on, TNT last night, I think, or ESPN, whatever channel it was on, they showed a graphic where the Nuggets in the second half, they pretty much double up on all their stats in the first half, in the past two games. It was it was ridiculous. I mean, the Nuggets were absolutely they were they were brutalizing the Clippers in the second half of of, of the last like three two or three games. It wasn't even close. So if you're the Clippers, you're looking at it and you're like, what, what is happening? Right? You come out, you come out, you come out and you're, you're smacking the nuggets around, you're stomping them. And then in the second half, it's like, you can't even be bothered to, to show up and play basketball and the nuggets chip, 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 chip away. And then all of a sudden they're up five, 10 points, 15 points it, it, the final score was 104 to 89. At one point, the Nuggets were up 20 points at the end of, with like six minutes left in the game. Like, what? what is happening? What is going on? Right? Like, wh- if you're the Nugget, I mean, if you're the Clippers, if you're Doc Rivers, what? what is happening? Like, what are you doing? What are you failing to do? Kawhi Leonard... I mean, this is a guy who, who you, this is a guy who is dubbed like the new, the new king of LA, right? Like this is his city. That was a a huge theme. Like Kawhi is people who picked the Clippers to win the finals, um, said, you know, Kawhi is the best player in LA. LeBron, you know, LeBron is missing a step, blah, 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 all that shit. That's not true, obviously. But Kawhi is the best player in LA. That was, those were the, 
the the talkings, right? What everyone was saying. This so this is a guy who who just I mean he he looked like he was trying but like not trying, you know? He, the whole the whole emotionless, calm, cool, collected shit that he always pulls off, it kind of in in this aspect it kind of looked like he wasn't trying. You know, the entire I'm not even pinning that out just on him. The entire Clippers roster looked like they couldn't even be bothered to show up to play the Nuggets. And the Nuggets said, oh yeah, you're not going to take it seriously? Fine. And they stomped them. Paul George, I, I, I do feel, I used to love Paul George. This was a dude who I watched with the Pacers give LeBron and the Miami Heat Big Three the business, right? He was a guy who, he was going toe-to-toe with these guys at, you know, his young 20s, 23 years old, 24 years old. Younger even. He's 30 years old now. So he was like 21, 22 years old, going at the heat, right? Carrying the Pacers in the playoffs. This was a guy who's supposed to be an enormous superstar, And what I've seen over the past five years from Paul George, pretty much ever since he forced his way out of Indiana, all I've seen from Paul George is him crumbling in the playoffs time and time again. And this ridiculous playoff P nickname, ever since he gave him, I think he gave himself that nickname. I don't know if it was supposed to be ironically, but it's caught on and now people clown him about it. And it's just... He's done nothing but lose value for himself just from people who are watching basketball. Like, all all I've seen from Paul George over the past five years with Oklahoma City and now with the Clippers is him come up small in the playoffs. That's, That's all I've seen. And I just... I don't know what it's gonna take. Like I, I really don't know if it's a mental thing. If it, is it just a coincidence? Like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right, three times. What the fuck? Like it's not. I, I just don't know what it's gonna take for Paul George to just wake up. Right with Kawhi Leonard, we can we can say. This is kind of like a, a a fluke, I suppose, right? Because he has he has the pedigree. You know, he's a two-time champion, uh, two-time defensive player of the year. Led led the Raptors. We saw what he did with the Raptors. Um, but now he kind of he kind of floundered a bit this playoffs. I'll, I'll say it. You know, if you're if you're the the best player on the team. You're the the leader of the team. And, you know, you allow your team to kind of come... You allow your team to blow a 3-1 lead. That's on you. You got to wear that. And Paul George is just a guy who, I mean, wherever he's gone, he's been... He's been coming up short. He's been letting his teammates down. He's been letting his whole team down. It's it's just... It's wild to think at this point... Like, what is going to wake him up? What is going to change? What can he do? I I don't have those answers. 
I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, he has to do X, Y, and Z, and everything will just be fixed. I have no idea what Paul George can do. Only he does, right? I, I, I don't know. It, it's not even like, I mean, he's just not hitting shots. He's not making smart plays. He, he's just, it's just not there for him, you know? And Kawhi, again, I think it was kind of a fluke. Um, but one thing, uh, shout out Mikey. I don't know if you ever listened to the podcast, Mikey, but I'm going to bring up something that he mentioned in, in one of our group chats is that maybe Kawhi needs a good, like floor general point guard. Cause he doesn't have that in, in LA, right? They got Patrick Beverly who, I mean, he, he's a point guard, but he's not a guy who can handle the ball really well and make a lot of plays happen for other people. He's primarily known as a defensive specialist. And I know he made like all defensive second team or whatever, but Pat Beverly's really not that good of a defender. Um, like he's 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 all right, but he's not like one of the most elite defenders I've ever seen. No, he's not. Um, he's all right. But that's his that's his his spe- quote unquote specialty, right? Is being the guy who's going to go out and guard the the opponent's point guard hard for like 30 plus minutes. Kawhi Leonard went from, with the Spurs, he went from playing with Tony Parker, Hall of Famer, to playing with Kyle Lowry in Toronto, who at the time when he got there, I feel like Kyle Lowry was very underrated. Lowry's kind of proved himself as like a bona fide, close to cracking the top five in point guards. He's not a top five point guard, but he's certainly an upper tier point guard in the league. I think he solidified himself there now with it. He has a championship. He's put up great numbers over the past several years. Um, and because the Raptors kind of kept floundering in the playoffs before Kawhi got there, it all kind of got glossed over. But now you can really look at Kyle Lowry and be like, yeah, this guy, he's legit. He's a legit, really good point guard. He's a great leader. And he's he's a, a guy who can play make. He can create himself his own shot. And he can also play make for others. So you go from two guys like that. Lowry, honestly, with his resume, might be a borderline Hall of Famer. And Tony Parker, obviously, who is a first ballot Hall of Famer. So you go from two really good point guards to, I mean, who? what, what guards do you have to create shots for yourself? You have Pat Beverly and Lou Williams. Lou Will, love Lou Will. But, you know, he's, he's a six-man guy, right? He's not going to make, he's a scorer. You, you put him in the game to be a scorer for your bench unit. Pat Beverly is a defensive guy, right? He he spot up threes, he can nail, sure. But he's not a guy who's going to go out and create his own shot. So who do you have primarily taking the ball up? Kawhi and Paul George. It's a completely different dynamic than what Kawhi, if you look at the Spurs teams he was on and you look at the Raptor teams he was on, it's a completely different setup. It's, it's not the same at all. And maybe that is part of the problem. Maybe they have to go out and get a guy who can run an offense efficiently. That's a obviously a point guard. Something to think about. I thought that was a really good point, Mikey, <laughs> that you brought up. Um, now, a tougher conversation to be had with the Clippers, and then we'll get into Nuggets-Lakers, I promise. Doc Rivers. Where does Doc Rivers land 
in in the pantheon of coaches, right? How will he be remembered? And I think it's easy to say that, oh, you know, he's one of the best coaches of all time. You know, he has a championship. Uh, his teams have always been successful. But one of the harder conversations to have is the amount of times that he had a good team blow it. And it was quite a lot. He was the head coach of the Celtics from 04 to 2013. And the, well, actually the Magic from 99 to 03. And then the Celtics from 04 to 13. And then from the Clippers from 2013 to now. So back with the Celtics. We're back with the Magic, I should say. In 2003, they blew a 3-1 lead. In 2005, his team blew a 1-0 lead. I don't really count that. So some of these, I'm going to read all of them off. Some of them I don't really count. Uh, 03, they blew a 3-1 lead. 05, 1-0. 09, 3-2 lead. 2010, 3-2 lead. 2012, 3-2, lead. 2014, 1-0 lead. 2015, 3-1 lead. 2016, 2-0. 2017, 2-0. And now... A 3-1 lead as well to add on top of that. Now, the 1-0 series lead in 05 and in 2014, I don't really count. Uh, blowing a 2-1 series lead in 2017 isn't like that bad. 2016, 2-0 kind of stings a little bit. Um, but certainly in 2009, 2010, and 2012, uh, blowing a 3-2 lead... It stings, and then of course they had that huge one. Um, I for, I think it was against, it was either the Rockets or maybe the Trailblazers. They had a three-one series lead. Um, against someone they had a three-one lead. I get. I remember that series with the Clippers. Uh, well, all of those were with the Clippers. Um, 2015, 16, and seventeen, but those were those those Clippers teams. Um, back with. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Lou Williams, I think, was on those teams, uh, and Jamal Crawford. So those were good teams that collapsed in the playoffs. Those Clippers teams had a lot of big playoff losses. And he even had a couple bad ones here with uh, 2009, 10, and 12 with the Celtics, blowing 3-2 series leads, right? That's brutal. That's brutal. So... Doc Rivers has already come out and said, you know, he'll take all the blame for this playoff loss. Okay, that's all good and great. But maybe it's time to start looking at Doc Rivers. You know, he only has one championship, and that was with a team with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen at their peaks. Or maybe even just coming down on their peaks. But I I would say at their peaks. Uh, It's tough, man. It's tough. I know it's hard to win. In the NBA, I, I really do, but I think it's time to maybe knock Doc Rivers down a peg. Um, Still a fantastic coach, Hall of Fame coach, no question about it. Not taking anything away from what he's accomplished, but it's a tough conversation to have when talking about a lot of the talented teams he's, have, he's had that just don't get where they're probably supposed to be in the playoffs because of a a blown series lead it's happened far too often I'll say that you know I I don't know if it's entirely it's not entirely of course Doc Rivers fault but as as the head coach and I respect him for saying he'll take a lot of the blame 
uh, because he, as the head coach, you are the guy that is making a lot of the decisions. You know, the players can only do so much. But I, I think it's equal blame to go around in, in this because of the the roster that you have and the coach you have. I think it's fair to say everyone's equally to blame for this Clippers loss, this Clippers breakdown. Um, but Doc Rivers has had far many, far too many blown series leads for as good as a coach he as he is. All right, quick Lakers Nuggets matchups, and then we gotta we gotta move on to a little bit of baseball, and then and then football finally. So this matchup, obviously, um, not one that we saw coming, but it, I think it'll be an interesting one for sure. Uh, Anthony Davis versus Jokic is going to be a tough one. Um, Jokic in the first two series of these playoffs versus the Jazz and versus the Clippers has not gone up against a big man that is as offensively talented as Anthony Davis. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Nuggets and Jokic tackle that uh, that assignment. And as far as LeBron goes, um, I mean, the Nuggets have a couple guys who they could probably throw at him. Uh, Gary Harris is undersized, but a very good perimeter defender. Um, but I think LeBron would just take him in the post. Jeremy Grant, as far as just size, athleticism, and build, um, is probably the best matchup for LeBron. Grant's about six foot nine, like two twenties, a little undersized for underweight for LeBron. Probably not as strong as him, but he's got the length and the height to deal with LeBron. Um, that's a tough assignment for him, though. That's a real tough assignment for him. Um, he's a good guy to have off their bench for offensively also. He can shoot threes uh, and get to the rack. But it, it's outside of those two matchups with LeBron and AD, um, the Nuggets do have a lot of uh, – they present a lot of problems for the Lakers. Uh, the Nuggets have a deep bench. Michael Porter Jr. has shown to be a guy that when he's on the floor with Murray and Jokic – um, defensively speaking, he's not great. Um, not a great defender just at all, but he's a walking bucket. So defensively speaking for the Lakers, who do you match up on him? Uh, he's like six foot nine, six foot 10, uh, has a pretty stroke from, from three and can get inside also pretty much get any, can score from anywhere on the court pretty much. Uh, so uh, I don't know who you necessarily throw at him. But the, I think on both sides of the ball, offensively, there are mismatches for for both teams that have to be addressed, um, and what they're what the, what it's going to look like for for these guys in this Western Conference Finals. But I'm very excited for it, honestly. You know, I, I was of course on the same train as most people, where I, I wanted. L.A. versus L.A. and finally get it settled between the Clippers and Lakers. You know, who's going to win a best-of-seven playoff series? I was really looking forward to that. Um, I think the rest of the internet was really looking forward to that. But, alas, it was not to be. So, we have to deal with Lakers and Nuggets. But I I think it's going to be nice. I think it's going to be good. The Nuggets are a team that have battled back in both of their playoff series. And the Lakers are a team that, 
in both of their first round, their their first series against the Blazers and the Rockets, uh, they lost game one and then rattled off four straight wins for a gentleman's sweep. So I, I don't know. We'll see how their approach is versus the Nuggets. Uh, generally speaking, in those two series, it was kind of a feel-out game for the Lakers, and then they just dominated the rest of the way. We'll see if they kind of take that that same approach with the Nuggets, or they really they try. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the Lakers are going to do. I don't know if they intended to do that either. By the way, with the game one losses, uh, and it was kind of like a feel out game, and then it just happened that they swept them for the rest of the series. I, I don't think they planned that out. It might be just coincidence, but we'll see how this series ends up. Um, I think the finals are looking to be interesting this year it's kind of up for grabs you're gonna have a new a completely new finals right the Warriors aren't even close obviously they didn't make the playoffs and the Raptors have been eliminated so you're gonna get new teams in the finals some old faces but new teams possibly I mean you know if LeBron makes it it's an old face obviously but the Lakers are haven't been into the finals in like what a decade now so uh looking forward to that Quick, quick, quick baseball news. Um, Alec Mills threw a no-hitter on Sunday in the in a day game in the midst of opening weekend for the NFL. Alec Mills, cool story. Um, he went to the University of Tennessee at Martin. Um as the story goes, he walked by practice one day, told the coach he was good enough to pitch on the team. He got a tryout and then ended up being a 22nd round pick in the MLB draft. And now on Sunday, he threw a no hitter against the Milwaukee Brewers of all teams. Brewers have a good lineup. So a very impressive no hitter. Baseball, it's a cool sport, man. You get you get stuff like that that happens all the time. Uh, well, not all the time. Not everyone throws a no hitter, but cool stories like that, where it's like a guy who went to like a mid tier D whatever school ends up getting drafted in like the super late rounds of the draft, and then all of a sudden he's in the pros and he does something that's really cool, right? It, it's you love to see it. Hard work and dedication, and that's why baseball. While you don't, it's not always the quickest path. It it is very. Anyway, if you're a baseball player in college, like you have a chance, man. Don't give up, right? You have a chance. Even if you go undrafted, there are plenty of ways to get signed to a team, work your way up. There's always that chance. You never know. MLB playoff bubble. The MLB, in a very smart move, has decided to... Uh, institute a bubble system for the playoffs. And, of course, we've seen it work with the NHL, uh, the NBA. Now, the NFL has been testing regularly. Uh, No one has tested positive for that yet, for the coronavirus yet. But with the MLB, we saw early on in the season, um, teams have some outbreaks, right? The Marlins had an outbreak. The Cardinals had an outbreak. Um, Here and there, there have been positive tests from front office members of different teams, but since the Cardinals, uh, a month or so ago, two months ago now, maybe, right? Give or take. Um, hasn't been really any player outbreaks, which is good. But 
the sheer risk of uh, an outbreak happening during the playoffs is something that the MLB could not afford. Because if an outbreak happens in the playoffs, that's it, right? It's a wrap. Um, the playoffs are shot. They lose all this money. And the playoffs are the most important part. So they made a, a, conscience, a conscientious decision to institute a playoff bubble. And how it goes is this. September 29th, the AL wild card, wild card series starts. Higher seed gets home field advantage. September 30th, NL wild card starts. Higher seed, home field advantage. October 5th, the ALDS is in one ser- One ALDS series will be in Los Angeles and one will be in San Diego. So they're keeping it in like the California region, right? We're in the state of California in that LA and San Diego. Um, so in California is the Ameri- AL- the American League Division Series. And then the NLDS will be in Arlington. The one series will be in Arlington at the Rangers' new ballpark and in Houston. October 11th, the ALCS will be in, in San Diego. Uh, October 12th, the NLDS will be in Arlington. And then the World Series, October 20th, Game 1 will be in Arlington, Texas. So the World Series is in Texas. You basically got the um, American League playoffs will be in California. The National League playoffs will be in Texas. Um, Smart plan. You can't risk anything uh, like that happening, uh, any outbreaks happening and possibly derailing the season. Uh, And now for standings as they are right now, the American League standings, the top eight teams. And if you don't know how the the standings go, the first three seeds are the division leaders. And they are um, in record order. And then, so that was a one, two, three. Four, five, six are the second seed, or the second place teams in the divisions, which automatically get a playoff bid. Uh, Also in record order. And then uh, there are two wildcard teams. As usual. So the only addition is that the second place teams don't fight for wildcard positionings. They automatically get a playoff spot. Those are the those are the differences, the three teams that were added. Um so you have the Chicago White Sox, who again a couple weeks ago I said that they could make a serious playoff push. Now they're the number one seed in the American League. They're 32 and 16, first in the central. Tampa Bay Rays, 31 and 17, first in the East. Oakland Athletics, 30 and 19, first in the West. Minnesota, 30 and 20. The Yankees are fifth, 27 and 21. Houston is sixth. They're at 500, 24 and 24. And then the two wildcard teams are the Blue Jays at 26 and 21 and the Indians at 26 and 22. Now, yes, it's a with that, it's a little confusing because the Blue Jays and the Indians have better records than the Astros, but because the Astros are second in their division, they get a higher seed. So that's the downside there is that you can have a really good, you can have a better record than some of the second place teams uh, in the playoffs or in their divisions, but if you're third in your division, 
you get stuck with a wild card spot. So that's the downside right now with the Indians because the Twins and the White Sox have better records than them in their own division. They fall behind teams like in this case, they're very close with the Yankees and the Astros who are both second in their divisions. And uh, just outside, just on the outside looking in is the Seattle Mariners sitting at 22 and 26. The NL standings. The Dodgers are first, 34 and 15, first in the West. The Cubs, 29 and 20, first in the Central. The Braves, 29 and 20, first in the East. So that can flip flop. Uh, they have the same record. But here's another aspect, like I just mentioned, the San Diego Padres are the fourth seed. They're 32 and 18, so they have a better record. So they have the second best record in the National League, second best record in baseball. It's Dodgers. Padres, White Sox, or Padres and White Sox might be switched, but second or third best record in baseball, but because they're in the same division as the Dodgers, they're bumped down two seeding spots in behind the Braves and the Cubs. So you have the Padres, uh, who are the fourth seed. The Marlins right now are second in the East behind the Braves, so they have the five seed at 24 and 22. The Cardinals are the second in the Central. Uh, Phillies, are the first wild card spot, and the San Francisco Giants are the second wild card spot. Um, Cardinals are twenty one and twenty two. Phillies twenty four and twenty three. Giants are twenty three and twenty four. And that again, another example. Cardinals are below five hundred, but because the Phillies are third in the division, the Cardinals are second. Phillies have a lower seed than the Cardinals, despite having a better record. On the outside looking in, you have the Reds sitting at twenty four and twenty six. The Brewers twenty two and twenty five, and the Rockies at twenty two and twenty five. So either of those three teams can sneak in uh, down the home stretch here of the last two weeks or so of the season. So basically how it uh, how it all works out here is that you don't have the one-game wildcard games anymore. It's a wildcard series, right? So you have the wildcard series is just best of three. The NLDS is best of five. And the NLCS, of course, best of seven. The World Series is also the best of seven. Uh, so the wildcard series, you'll have... The number one seed in the NL, so it would be the Dodgers versus the number eight seed, which right now would be the San Francisco Giants. And that's kind of just how it all breaks down. Um, standard in any other playoff. So the one plays the eight, uh, the two plays the seven, the three plays the six, and the four plays the five. In the opening round of the series. So as it stands. The White Sox would play the Indians. The Rays would play the Blue Jays. The Athletics would play the Astros. And the Twins would play the Yankees. And the NL would be the Dodgers versus the Giants. The Cubs versus the Phillies. The Braves versus the Cardinals. And the Padres versus the Marlins. Again those wildcard series are best of three. So first the two wins. And the... Everything else is the same after that. After the wild card series, NLDS, best of five, NLCS, ALCS, all those best of seven, World Series, best of seven. So the wild card series is really the only thing. Instead of having these two teams have a one game playoff to see who gets into the ALDS, everyone plays a best of three series. I kind of like it better than those one game wild card playoffs because, in this aspect, if you look at it and say, so a lot of teams, you'd be like, oh, we were in the playoffs last year. 
Yeah, but you lost in the wild card game. So were you really in the playoffs? Because that was a one game, like winner take all elimination. And then you were out and that other team went on to play a best of five in the in the divisional series. So it's like, were you really in the playoffs? It doesn't really feel like your team was if they lose in the wild card game. Now this wild card series, you have a best of three. Yes, it's only a best of three, but the games will be in t- like I know the one game wild cards are super intense, but best of three, it's short and it's intense. So I kind of like it as a first round series to get into the NLDS. Um, gives other teams kind of a, a miracle shot. We'll see if they kind of stick with that format. I don't know if it's going to be as accepted by the people as I'm being, as I'm accepting it, but it's certainly something that I think they should explore to make more of a permanent, um, a permanent thing moving forward in the MLB playoffs, because now it's more like pretty much every other sport. Um, this playoff format resembles the NBA, and uh, the NHL formatting. In the NFL, obviously, it's a little different. There's, you know, the top seed. Instead of the top... This this year, it's different. The top two seeds don't get a buy. Only the top seed gets a buy. So, seeding's much more important this year in the NFL. And uh, speaking of the NFL, we're finally going to get into it here. I promise next week, for week two, we'll start with the NFL instead of keeping it to the end of the episode. I honestly didn't think the episode was going to go this long, but here we are. So, week one of the NFL season, Thursday night, Chiefs beat the Texans 34-20. to uh, Deshaun Watson had a rough night. The Texans had a rough night. David Johnson, though, I'll tell you what, he looked good. Was he worth giving up DeAndre Hopkins for? No, because DeAndre Hopkins had a career day, and we will get to that when we get to the Cardinals. But the Texans, so they, they drop the Thursday night opener to the Chiefs. 34 to 20. Patrick Mahomes obviously looked great. Chiefs. Chiefs of the Chiefs. Uh, Seahawks. Let Russ cook. Russ threw over 30 times for the Seahawks against the Falcons. Kind of feels uncharacteristic. Pete Carroll loves the run game. Um, but he threw for three over 300 yards, four touchdowns. Matt Ryan and the Falcons kind of do their own same shtick. They have over, you know, 500-plus yards of total offense, and they end up losing. Ryan threw for 450 yards. Gurley rushed for 56 and a touchdown. Julio, nine receptions, 157 yards for Julio Jones. Uh, the Bills, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, surprisingly, another guy. He threw for he threw over 40 times. He threw 46 times against the Jets, and they win 27-17. to The Jets... Sam Darnold kind of looked disfigured in a, in a way. I, I just, I don't, they didn't, they only lost by 10, but they just never really felt in it. Uh, Bears beat the Lions on a heartbreaker from the Lions. DeAndre Swift dropped the game-winning touchdown with six seconds left in the corner of the end zone. Tough break for the rookie. Uh, he did have another, a different touchdown this game, but Mitch Trubisky, Give him a little bit of credit. He needed this win. The guy is pretty much fighting for his job on a week-by-week basis. And as soon as he probably strings together a couple losses in a row, they're going to hand the reins over to Nick Foles. Uh, but the Bears, if you're the Bears, you had to start Trubisky with the season because if you start with Foles, Trubisky's never coming back from that. So they start Trubisky. He gets the win, leads a game-winning drive, makes a couple nice throws to get the Bears the lead. Stafford marches down the field, almost wins the game, if not for the drop pass by 
the rookie Swift. Again, tough break for him. Uh, Packers-Vikings. 43-34, to but it wasn't that close of a game. Aaron Rodgers dominated from start to finish. Uh, he was a man on a mission. 360 yards in the air. Four touchdowns. Devontae Adams had two of them. 14 receptions. So he was looking for Adams throughout the entire game. Uh, and I... I got fucked in that because of fantasy because the kid I was playing had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and they single-handedly got him like 85 points. So I only ended up losing by three if you could somehow believe that. A bunch of people on my team went off. But Aaron Rodgers, he's he was wheeling and dealing. Vikings defense, eyebrow raiser. Cause for concern for sure. Patriots, Cam Newton, the Cam Newton-led Patriots. Uh, Cam looked good. He had a couple rushing touchdowns, and uh, the Patriots beat the Dolphins 21-11. to Makes you think, how many weeks are the Dolphins going to go before they get Tua in there? Uh, they're, go- they're riding with Ryan Fitzpatrick right now, but kind of up in the air at this point. Um, Washington with a surprising victory over the Eagles in Week 1, 27-17. The Washington Redskins sacked Carson Wentz eight times. So the Eagles definitely having some problems there. Um, Goddard had himself a nice game, but other than that, nothing much going for the Eagles. Uh, Again, Wentz getting sacked eight times. Brutal in week one. Washington wins a surprising one, 27-17. The Raiders beat the Panthers 34-30. Very questionable call by the Panthers towards the end of the game. They try. It's about fourth and one game on the line uh, to continue the drive downfield. And they decide to try and sneak up on the Ra- on the Raiders with a fullback handoff instead of giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Doesn't work. He gets stuffed. Raiders get the ball on downs. And the Panthers lose week one. Um, and I'm pretty sure the Panthers did the same thing. I, I want to say it was against the Packers last year where they just did not give Christian McCaffrey the ball on uh, a short down yardage. Could not tell you why they refuse to do it. I, I really, really don't. He's the best running back in football. Like, give him give him the ball. It, it, it's kind of clear cut. Uh, I, I don't know what the Panthers are thinking. Or maybe they're overthinking. Who knows? Uh, the Jaguars. Gardner Minshew. 19 of 20 with three touchdowns in the air. Jaguars beat the Colts 27 to 20. The Phillip Rivers-led Colts. Uh, Rivers' classic stat line, over 360 yards in the air, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Phillip Rivers these days is pretty much good for two interceptions per game. Uh, Ravens absolutely dismantled the Browns 38-6. The Browns play this Thursday night against the Bengals to try and redeem themselves, but they got clapped. Um, Baker Mayfield didn't look get, didn't look great, 21-39, only 189 yards, a touchdown, interception. Um Ravens are the Ravens. You know, last year, Browns came in. They lost to the Titans, which was kind of a surprise, even though the Titans ended up being a good team, a very good team. But then the next week, they went and beat the Ravens. This year, they open up against the Ravens. Different story. Ravens lay the smack down on the Browns. Um, Mark Andrews had an excellent one-handed catch in the back of the end zone from Lamar. But Lamar Jackson looked good throwing the football. He looked a lot more comfortable. But we'll see how... The Ravens get in, if they ever find themselves down in late game scenarios, how they try and come back from that. Because they're very good with the lead. 
Uh, Chargers beat the Bengals 16-13. Joe Burrow looked good. Number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. He looked good. Um, had some had a tough turnover late in the game. Uh, didn't throw for any touchdowns. But a couple tough breaks there at the end of the game for the Bengals. You have an offensive pass interference called on A.J. Green, which a couple years ago, that never gets called on him. But... There were a couple of questionable offensive pass interference calls. There was one they called on Evan Ingram Monday night against uh, with the Giants and the Steelers. There was one that could have completely changed the game on Sunday night with the Cowboys. Michael Gallup, they called it on, uh, pushing off Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey kind of sold it, but I thought also in real time it was an OPI. Slow motion kind of makes you think differently, and it makes it kind of seem that Ramsey sold it. Um, and also, and this one, so the Ramsey one, Michael, the one on Michael Gallup pushing off Jalen Ramsey was one, but this one with AJ Green pushing off in the corner of the end zone, um, just a call you don't see get called a couple years ago, but they, they seem to be kind of on top of the offensive pass interference and the push-offs this year. Um, so tough break on that part, but even a tougher break, time winding down, Joe Burrow, Calm, cool, collected, drives down the field and gives his team a chance. That that would have won the game, that touchdown. They called the offensive pass interference. I believe that was at the end of the game. And then they give Randy Bullock, kick, the kicker, a chance to win the game or uh, to tie the game at 16 and send it to overtime. And it's a chip shot, like 30-something yard field goal. Completely misses it. Completely shanks it right. Um, not even close, doesn't even get anywhere near, I, I don't know what happened, he comes up, uh, Bullock comes up like limping, grabbing at like his calf or whatever, I don't know if it was trying to save face or he's actually injured, but uh, tough way to lose your first NFL game if you're Joe Burrow, and he he looked disgusted, <laughs> he, he was just looking up at the scoreboard, he's like, what the hell did I just sign up for, um, but other than that, I mean, I think he looked great, bright side, uh, bright things to come, in Cincinnati. If you're a Bengals fan, you should be very happy that Joe Burrow is now your quarterback. Uh, Saints, Buccaneers, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski making their Buccaneers debut. The one thing that everyone's been pointing out since Sunday and what me and everyone else probably noticed is that, or clearly that they noticed, is that um, the Buccaneers make a lot of mistakes as a team, like mental mistakes, that the Patriots never made. So when the Tom Brady and the Patriots and Bill Belichick, when they lost a football game, it was because they just got outplayed, right? It's either they didn't make the throws they had to make, they didn't run the ball effectively, um, or the the offense was too much for the defense to handle and they couldn't keep up, right? They just get outplayed. The Buccaneers, Tom Brady did throw two interceptions, so that's and one was went for a pick six from Janoris Jenkins, so that's not to be forgotten, but. There are a couple times where the Buccaneers just flat out stupid penalties. Um, the one that comes to mind is that it's it's fourth and one. The Saints have the football, and you have like three guys on your defensive line that jump at the hard snap count. You have to know that's coming. They're in the they're in no man's land, and they're just trying to draw you off sides. If they don't, they'll get the delay of game move it back, and then punt it. That's what usually happens. But the Buccaneers, not as disciplined as the Patriots, 
they get like three different guys on their defensive line jumped at the hard snap from Drew Brees. So the Saints advance the football. Uh, it's just things like that that Tom Brady is probably either going to have to hammer home to the Bucks that they can't do that if they want to win football games, or it's something that he's just going to have to overcome and deal with. Remains to be seen. Um, but Brady, two interceptions, didn't look as sharp as he uh, usually does. In fact, he now, dating back to last year, he now has three straight games with a pick six. So approaching Matt Schaub's record, but it doesn't feel the same if it's in between seasons. So I'm not really counting that. Uh, Gronk kind of disappeared, wasn't really anywhere to be found. Um, we'll see if he they try to get him more involved in the offensive game plan. Uh, Leonard Fournette, newly signed after getting released from Jacksonville. Didn't get really too many touches. Um, we'll see how the, the Buccaneers go moving forward and the adjustments they make. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals beat the 49ers in week one. DeAndre Hopkins has a career day, 14 receptions, a career high for 151 yards. Kyler Murray, um, 230 yards, a touchdown and interception, but also ran for 91 and a touchdown. So he looked as quick and elusive as ever. Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Again, just being Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not a guy who's going to lose you games, but he's not going to he's not a guy who's going to win you games either. Right? Uh 19 to 33, 259 yards and two touchdowns. I had him in fantasy, scored me like a little more than 25 points. Um He he looked a little rattled out there. Nothing, no crazy mistakes, but just not as sharp as as he should look. So, hopefully a couple reps. You have to remember no preseason. Um, there's not really a, there was wasn't really a lot of time for uh, at these teams to knock the rust off. So you're just kind of running in here blind. So there's a chance over these first three weeks, maybe I'll say that uh, these teams are just knocking some rust off. Some teams look better than others, of course, um, but there is. Definitely some some sloppy play that you wouldn't normally see week one from a lot of these teams. And that's not just with Garoppolo and the Niners. That's with everybody. Uh, Sunday night game, a surprising game. Uh, a surprising outcome, I should say. The Rams beat the Cowboys 20-17. to Zeke had a field day. Uh, had one play where he juked dudes out of his shoe. Uh, but he had 22 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown. Dak threw for 266 yards and a touchdown. But the star of the Sunday night game was the Rams' defense. Uh, Jalen Ramsey made a couple big plays down the stretch, including selling that offensive pass interference. That kind of killed the the late-game drive for Dak and the Cowboys. But had that not been called, we'd be talking a very different story right now. The Cowboys probably would have won that game. Um, But Zeke looked great. Dak looked pretty good. I'm not even going to knock Dak. Uh, but that Rams defense, I think, was the star of the game. They they looked, they were disguising really well. Um, Chris Collinsworth pointed out late in the game, they were bringing a lot of pressure and they were overloading the right side of the line of scrimmage with Aaron Donald and a couple other guys. And then on the left side, you pretty much had, uh, he called it one-on-one basketball where you just like it's like you give LeBron the ball and tell him to go score that's what the Rams were doing and they were uh getting to Dak rather quickly so they were they were breaking through that Cowboys offensive line 
quicker than expected, I would say. And the coverage for the Rams was very good. Of course, they just signed Jalen Ramsey to that massive deal. And uh, he, he played real well on Sunday night. The two Monday night games, brutal for me. I went into the Monday night games in with the lead in both my fantasy leagues, and I ended up losing. But different story for a different day. Uh, the Steelers beat the Giants 26-16. to Giants had the lead for a majority of the first half. Um, and then going into halftime, Big Ben led a two-minute drill down the field for a touchdown. And they go into halftime winning 16-10. to Didn't look back. Uh, up until like a, a bullshit drive at the end of the game when Daniel Jones threw a touchdown to Darius Slayton. They were winning uh, for the most part 26-10. to Giants won for a two at the end of the game. They didn't get it. So 26-16 to is the final score there. Big Ben looked good. He looked healthy. His arm was good. He said when he woke up the next day, it felt like he was in a train wreck. And then the day after that, it felt like he was in a car wreck. So he assumes by tomorrow or maybe today that uh, it feels like he might have just fallen off a bike. You know, it gets better. But he said the only thing that didn't hurt was his arm. So positive side, if you're a Steelers fan, that Steelers defense is lethal. Um, They were getting everywhere. I mean, pass protection and run protection were pretty much non-existent for the Giants. Pass protection was hit or miss, honestly, sometimes. They, they had better protection than others. Daniel Jones was able to make a couple nice throws. He had a real nice 40-yard throw for a touchdown to Darius Slayton early in the game. Um, but that run protection, I cannot overstate this enough. The run defense is horrendous. Bud Dupree was the guy from the first snap to the last that was getting in the backfield consistently. He was beating rookie Andrew Thomas off the fucking line of scrimmage every single time. Saquon Barkley had maybe three rushes all game where he didn't get hit before getting back to the line of scrimmage. I mean, they were swarming him two, three, four yards in the backfield. Daniel Jones would hand him off the ball and he would get hit by two guys. I, I it was it was really, really, really rough. Um Saquon had one play where it was like a, a, a pretty cool screen that they ended a double fake into a screen to Saquon, and he took off. And you see how electric he is when he's in the open field, but they just couldn't get the run game going, man. And honestly, I don't even think Jason Garrett called that bad of a game. And here I am now defending Jason Garrett after all these years of shitting on him when he was in Dallas. Now I have to I have to try and find things that I like. But honestly, he kept trying the run game, kept trying to establish the run game, and it just never took. Um, but that Steelers defense, man, it's more of a... I mean, the Giants offensive line sucks, but that Steelers defense is a tough first matchup for them. Uh, they had the Bears this week, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Uh, The other Monday night game, Denver versus the Titans. Titans win 16-14, but Steven Goskowski missed three, or he missed two field goals and an extra point against Denver. Redeems himself at the end of regulation. Uh, Little chip shot, like 25-yard chip shot. Nails it to win the game for the Titans. But man, I mean, he, he had the yips. It was... Tough to see because Goskowski 
spent all those years with the Patriots, was on the NFL's all-decade team for the 2010s. Um, he was a, as sure of a thing as they came when they were, when he was with the Patriots. Gets injured, comes back from surgery, Titans sign him like a week ago, and misses his first field goal, misses an extra point. Or he misses an extra point, misses two more field goals after that, and then comes in, wins the game. Got to be a sigh, a sigh of relief. You saw him yell and smack the ground after he hit the game-winning field goal. Just so happy he got that off his chest. Um, Tannehill looked all right. Derrick Henry, the dude's like a mammoth. Um, I thought Drew Locke looked pretty good. You know, they were missing their, their number one wide receiver in Cortland Sutton. Uh, Jerry Judy looked great. He had two bad dropped passes where he was open and if he had it, it was a, it was 10 yards and probably more if he caught both the balls that he was having over the middle of the field too. Uh, he has great footwork, big guy, explosive, but dropped two balls, which is not great. He's got to work on that. Definitely. Um, securing the ball before trying to take off and run. I think that was the problem. It looked like he was just trying to take off and run before he fully secured the football. Took his eyes off of it. Uh, but he looked pretty good, all things considered. Uh, those those two drops aside, he looked good. Um, Philip Lindsay hurt his ankle. So now Melvin Gordon's probably going to get a majority of the carries going forward. Even if Philip Lindsay does play next week, he probably won't be the main guy. Um, it'll be Melvin Gordon. But those are the Monday night games. Uh, Thursday night, tomorrow, it's going to be Bengals-Browns, as I said earlier. And uh, Sunday night next week, Patriots-Seahawks. That should be a good one. Monday night, uh, back to the single Monday night games. Saints-Raiders, first game in Las Vegas for the Raiders, which is disgusting. I wish they stayed in Oakland. Uh, I'll just run through the matchups, I guess, real quick. Giants-Bears, these are all 1 o'clock games right now. Giants-Bears... Falcons, Cowboys, Lions, Packers, Jaguars, Titans, Vikings, Colts, Bills, Dolphins, 49ers, Jets, Rams, Eagles, Broncos, Steelers, Panthers, Buccaneers, and then the 4 o'clock games, Washington, Cardinals at 4.05, Chiefs, Chargers, and Ravens, Texans at 4.25, Sunday night, as I mentioned, Patriots, Seahawks, Monday night, Saints, Raiders. I'll start next week's podcast with week two NFL action, I promise. But that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. It's a long one The uh, with everything going on now. You know, you have the NFL starting up. The NBA playoffs are getting down to the conference finals games. MLB playoffs are approaching. Uh, you're going to have a little bit of overlap with probably, I think it's, it's by the time the NBA, the MLB playoffs are in full swing, you'll have the finals um, starting for the NBA or close to it, and you'll be about what week three or four into the NFL season. Um, so the episodes are going to get a lot longer right now for the next few weeks. Hope you enjoyed. Um, have a great weekend. Again, enjoy your football on Thursday and Sunday. Basketball also, and baseball. Gotta give baseball love too. So thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you all next Wednesday.
Focus on phenomenal. Once I cock and load, I'm the money man. Got a hundred. 